Welcome back, besties. Oh, you took it away from me. I was going to say, and we're back. And we're back. And another episode of the Back Porch Besties. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, we want to talk about Twin Flames. Yeah, if any of you guys have watched the most recent number one Netflix series on Twin Flames, oof, had me at the edge of my seat. Now, now, come on, because we fell asleep like four times. Yeah, but there was a couple times where I was like, what the? You yeah, know, yeah. I was like, this is psycho. Yeah, that's true. We had seen, we saw some kind of little social media graphic about Twin Flames like three years ago. Or it was so. a long time ago. And we were talking about it, and I was like, oh my gosh, Kelsey, that's you. You remember? Mm -hmm. That's all I ever knew that it was. But I did some more research on Twin Flames, and actually, based on the research, like, yes, they're, I guess it's supposed to be like not your other half, but a mirrored reflection of you or something of the nature. But they're actually really awful couples. Yeah, really? From what, like, I've read. Because I went on, like, you know, me and my bandwagons where I get on, like, TikTok, mm -hmm. all that stuff. But that was, like, three years ago. And then I remember seeing, what's what are their names? Shalina and... Mm -hmm. I remember seeing their YouTube videos when I was researching. But why are twin flame couples... What was the... What did the research say about why they were terrible couples? Because they were so much alike mm. and so much a reflection of each other that... You know, it, it contradicts the whole saying of opposites attract. Yeah. Which I could see it on both ends. Well, you know, when we watch, I think his name is Jeff, right? Jeff, John. Jeff, it's not John. J-Boy. I'm just going to call him Jeff. <laughs> Looking at that, if you go back and you look at his childhood, what little they showed of it in that series, I can see how he combined with her ended up going in that direction because he he started getting that validation and that attention that he was seeking and it really went to his head hi i'm casey and right here beside me is kelsey we are licensed professional counselors mothers entrepreneurs oh and besties we know firsthand what it's like to wake up one day and think how in the heck did i wind up here through our own journeys of self-discovery, we found that joy is something that has to be pursued through internal work. Now we are on a mission to help women from all walks of life understand themselves more so they can have real lasting joy. Join us every Thursday to hear fun and insightful interviews with experts who can point you toward self-discovery and fulfillment. And for those of you that don't know, this guy basically, quote unquote, created a cult but he persuaded people through his words that he was Jesus and that people were going to find their true love, their twin flame. Through his network. Through his network. And then also would made them believe that they were more masculine divine or feminine divine. And people were actually transitioning based on that. And also he was making them eat like, and gain a lot of weight, mm -hmm. which was super, that's where I was like, this is freaking insane. Well, and also, it, gosh, there's so many different things that was insane about it. But the fact that he then went in and registered his business as a religious entity so that he could become a nonprofit and didn't have to pay his employees. So he he really set it up more to be like a church. 
And so he was making all of this money from this, basically like a membership community that upsold you classes and coaching to help you find your true love. And then they did this mirroring exercise, which I was like, okay, okay, I see what they're doing here. But they actually use it to manipulate people. Mm-hmm. And what they did is everything they would have to mirror that. So like if you had a problem with somebody, it was something that was inside of you and wrong with you. And so when you hear the people, you know, 10, five years later, whatever, the things that they struggle with most is the guilt and the shame because of that mirroring exercise. Well, but think about it, like from his angle, if you are really wanting to manipulate people and get them to do what you want and to make them think that you are somebody that you are really not, would that not be the perfect way to do it, to make them think that everything was really their fault? Yeah, because he had all the power. Mm -hmm. It's all power and control. And a lot of those people, after they were interviewed, after they were out of the twin flame, what was it called? Universe. Yeah, the twin flame universe. They would say, I had a hard time learning that I could make decisions for myself, which yes, that's all based on a cult. But just listening to, ooh, he is he is the most condescending asshole. Well, and there was show. certainly a progression. And if you watch early videos of him interacting with his followers versus the later videos of him interacting mm-hmm. with his followers, he he became very aggressive and very much more controlling, and would yell at them and call them names and belittle them. And it was it was like a true domestic violence. Yeah emotional abuse, abusive relationship. and Well, and even the, the leaders, right, the leaders that left, they talked about how awful they felt for the emotional abuse that they endured on other people, even though they were just, they endured the same amount. So they were taught, so if you think about it in like a pyramid, Jeff and Shalia were the leaders and they're on the top of the pyramid, then they would bring up people within their program that had paid and invested lots of money in coaching and classes and ultimately promote them to be coaches. All the while, they were they were basically paying to be a coach because they were still having to pay for the classes and everything else. And so they would promote them up and then they would coach all of the new people that came in. And it was almost like they were forcing these couples well, they were forcing these couples to get together. And also forcing people to stalk people. Like, let's say that you came to me and I was Jeff and Shalia. And you told me that you had an interaction with somebody at Kroger. And I convinced you that that was your twin flame. These people were hunting down these people because they thought that he was a man of his word or that that really was their twin flame. And so they would go hunting them down and would end up with like, all these domestic violence, stalking charges, all these things, because these people really believed that that was their twin flame. So what kind of person, like, where do you have to be mentally and emotionally to be susceptible to this type of manipulation? Is this coming out of trauma? I think he always found the weakness, right? There was definitely different scenarios. But yes, some was trauma, some was that they didn't have friends, some was that they didn't have family. And if they did have family that cared about them, he would make them almost alienate their family. So capitalizing on on one's fear of being alone. Like the core fear. of Yeah. yeah the core fear of 
being alone and for eternity too. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful motivator. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to take, I mean, I think the majority of people have a core fear of being alone or abandonment in some capacity. And so entering into some kind of community where everyone feels that fear has to also feel kind of good. It's like the polarization of, because eventually they got so sucked in that they didn't have any support. Like they were alone. Right. It was that isolation, like, like in a domestic violence relationship where you have one person who is isolating the other from their friends and their mm-hmm. family, telling them, well, they don't understand you. They won't accept you. Only me. Only I yeah. will. Well, I think about that. I always draw a diagram for people of like what a healthy relationship looks like, not even an intimate relationship, but relationship with anyone. The majority of your circle. So like I draw a diagram of two circles. The majority of your relationship should be separate or at least half should be separated from the other person. In the center, that's where you guys like mesh. In this situation, basically, Jeff and Chili's circle overlapped the other person's sense of self. There was no sense of self. They they couldn't even work. And if they did work, they only worked to pay for the membership. Mm-hmm. Everything was motivated from that, mm-hmm. which could be very detrimental and more familiar to people than I think they even realize. Because when you're in a emotionally abusive relationship or a physically abusive relationship, you're so close you don't even see it. How does that happen? Well, you think that you're the problem. I think a lot of people that I've personally done therapy with, the guilt and shame goes back to them and it has nothing to do with the other person. It's saying, well, maybe I was the problem. Maybe I was too crazy or maybe I didn't do something good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and constantly re- relating and chipping away at that sense of self. Like, there's no backbone. There's no pride. All they're left it- with is, like, crumbling pieces or, like, shattered mirror of a reflection of themselves. Well, and all that, you know, they have to have experienced something that was traumatic for them to even consider being a part of something like that. You know, like, to be to make that kind of financial investment to believe that these two people could find their true love. People have to almost be desperate in some ways to find that connection. They have to be looking, looking for, searching for some form of connection. Well, think about, think about this. Are you tired of running to the lobby to see if your next appointment has arrived? Would you like a more discreet, stress-free way for your clients to check in? Take a deep breath. The receptionist for iPad empowers your practice to create a zen-like check-in experience. This episode is sponsored by the receptionist for iPad. It's the highest rated digital check-in software for therapy and behavioral health offices used by thousands of practitioners across the country. The Receptionist for iPad is a simple, inexpensive way to allow your clients to discreetly check in, to notify providers of a patient's arrival, and to ensure your front lobby is stress-free. The software sends an immediate notification to the therapist when a client checks in and can even ask if any patient information has changed since their last visit. Start a 14-day free trial of The Receptionist for iPad by going to thereceptionist.com besties. And when you do, you'll also get your first month free when you sign up. 
So a few things that you and I have talked about, we both have done therapy in, in different ways, but something that we can relate on is that everyone experiences anxiety. They do. They just, you know, it might be healthy, right? We're not running off into the middle of traffic. Like our anxiety prevents us because we know if we run into traffic that we're going to get hit by a car. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, so everyone has anxiety. Your belief behind anxiety is that everyone that has anxiety has a core fear. That core fear is what drives people into those situations and that feeling of loneliness or maybe like that trauma bond. Mm-hmm. You know, because if your core fear is that you don't want to be alone, what does that drive you to? It drives you to community. It drives you to a place where you might not have clear focus to see what's in front of you. Yeah, I think it also drives you to lower your standards. standards. And your expectations, and it can cause you to compromise on pieces of yourself that otherwise you know that you don't deserve or or you deserve better. Mm -hmm. You know, that fear of like, well, what if there is nobody else? Like, what if this is my last shot? Like, what if nobody else would want me? What if this person is the only one? And, you know, realistically, statistically speaking, that's a Sane, mm-hmm. but that I think you're right. I think it's that inner voice that we have, coupled with the fear that makes us. Well, think of if your fear is being insignificant, which also goes to feeling like not wanting to be alone. But if if that's the driving force, situations like Jeff and Shalia had really set people up to feel significant. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I have like power and I have control, and people appreciate me. Like, if that is the only time that they've ever felt like somebody thought they did a good job or something of the nature, that could be the reason why they stayed. Mm -hmm. There's been some instances recently in the world that that I work in, in the consulting world, where a leader was perceived to be, I don't know, like, abusive, like manipulating people um, in order to gain access to their, their money. And just like kind of sitting these two things up beside one another, you can certainly see similarities throughout life that people in these positions, they, they definitely have these tactics that they use. And it's usually someone that is well-spoken, that does have charisma, that does make people feel seen, heard, understood. Mm-hmm. And it does speak to all of those core fears that people have of, oh, I'm the only one that's struggling with my business or I'm the only one that's struggling with this money mindset. No, you're not. We yeah. all are. We're all, you know, and and I think that it certainly causes people to let their guard down. And I think some of the most powerful people can read other people. Mm-hmm. They can read into and they can tap into what is their biggest fear. Like some of my worst experiences in a job setting, my supervisor knew what my biggest fear was, which is why it kept me in a very cynical environment for so long. And so I think people with that ability to manipulate and control and get them to follow them in a like cult-like manner, they are charismatic and they do, they can read another person. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of scary. It's kind of like, Who's walking around with a mask on? Yeah, it makes us understand the need to listen to the people in our lives a little bit more 
if we find ourselves in situations where some of the things that we've talked about sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, what are you seeing? Like, if I, I just think if I were to get myself into some kind of community and you started hearing me say things that were like, wait a minute, this is a little <laughs> weird, you know, being able to point that out. But at the very same time, if I did fall victim to something like that, the very first thing they would do would be to drive a wedge between the two of us. Mm -hmm. Which I think, let's say that you did get into a community like that, that was really unhealthy. And I did say it. I don't think with any amount of awareness, especially I think about parents on that TV show, all they wanted to do was for their kid to stop engaging in this. But what they did was really drive a wedge between them and their kid because of the way that they presented. I can't say that I would have all the awareness in the world to keep myself composed for you not to hate me at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You know, like it would, it would take a lot of awareness about what was happening on the other side of what you were doing. Yeah. And if you don't have that, then it's really hard. I mean, just like a domestic violence relationship, anyone can sit there and say whatever. But as soon as that, that partner goes back to their spouse and was like, well, so-and-so said, that you're a piece of crap. Mm-hmm. Well, let's snip and cut that tie. Yep. Let's drive that wedge because that person doesn't care about you. And so you have to be smart about it. And I don't think I don't even have the tools to do something like that to really understand the opposite side, especially if it's somebody I'm personally connected to, not in a work setting, but like a like if my sister was in a domestic violence relationship, I would tell her, you're stupid and you need to get on of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Is that something I would do in a therapeutic world? No. But what does that do? It just drives a wedge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's oh, I have so much respect for people that work with people who are in domestic violence or emotionally or mentally abusive type of uh, relationships, even family dynamics, because I just do not have the that like I do not have that space for someone in that way. Like I would I would be like, get out. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And I say that and I've had clients when I was doing therapy over the years that were my longer existing clients that were in unhealthy, very dysfunctional relationships. And you know, sometimes I think I probably did not serve them well because But also to think about the therapeutic relationship. You're at a more of an advantage in a therapeutic relationship than you are in a personal relationship. Yeah. Because the closer you are to the person that's in domestic violence, the harder it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In work setting, they can come in and they can, you know. Yeah. You have that distance. With somebody like my sister or my brother, I wouldn't have that distance. Mm-hmm. I'll just be like, hmm. <laughs> I can't say what I really want to say. Like lock no. you up and make sure the other person never gets a hold of you. I don't know. Yeah, I get it. Or, you know, with your kids, like having if you if your child was in a relationship that was abusive, I, I can't even I, I don't I don't know. I mean, we have four and, you know, it's going to happen yeah. in some way at some time. But I think just like trying to give the tools and teach the tools and, and really empowering people to ask for help, even from like an unbiased source, like a therapist is, is about the best you can do in those situations. Mm -hmm. Those are tough. So I guess moral of the story is don't, um, don't go be a twin flame in the (laughs) twin flame universe. Maybe you're not my twin flame anymore. Well, if that is what a twin flame is, I don't want a part of it. (laughs) You cut me off. I'm sorry. 
it's just not happening. It's over. But also just like taking the time and really reflecting on what your healthiest relationships look like in your life. Mm-hmm. Try to amplify the positives in those. Absolutely. Well, nice talking to you, besties. We will talk to you next time. See you later. If you're enjoying our podcast and would like to hear more from us, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast so we can keep making great content. Talk to you later, besties.